Morena and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. I'm Bernard Hickey. This is my daily podcast that goes out with my daily email newsletter via Substack and it's called The Kaka. Today I wanted to have a look at who gets the benefits of tax cuts or at least the ones that have been proposed generally by National in the last year or so. When Christopher Luxon was elected leader of the National Party at the end of last year, he made clear he would repeal Labour's new 39 cent tax rate. He also proposed changes in tax thresholds to take account of inflation and fiscal creep. But National didn't say how much these tax cuts would raise directly and also didn't say how it would be spread around. As well, Luxon and other uh, national spokespeople have said that they would repeal various tax changes aimed at discouraging homeowners from buying multiple rental properties. So we're talking here about the bright line test, the ring fencing of income and the interest deductibility change. So how much money would this cost in lost revenues and who would see the benefits? Well, National haven't said yet, but the combined trade union uh, chief economist, Craig Rennie, who uh, until uh, the election was an advisor to Grant Robertson, so clearly very much um, in the camp of the government and the Labour movement, and not, not uh, disguised at all, has done an analysis of how much these tax cuts would cost and who gets the benefits. I've included details of his analysis and links to the full analysis in the email newsletter, including a couple of charts and tables. But essentially, over four years, Rennie estimates National's tax cuts would cost the government $11.1 billion, including $2.5 billion from the various removals of tax breaks for landlords and $6.5 billion or so for the changes to tax thresholds and the removal of the 39 cent tax rate. Rennie estimates that for the PAYE tax changes, so the removal of the 39 cent rate and the changes to the thresholds, almost 50% of that money, so we're talking well over $3 billion, would go to the top 10% of earners. And that once you took into account the extra $2.5 billion that would go to landlords, that means landlords in that top 10%, many of whom would be the same people, are going to receive well more than half of the benefits of the tax cuts proposed by National. Rennie also estimates that the bottom half of the uh, income population would receive just 6% of the benefits of National's tax cuts. Nicola Willis has come out and rejected this analysis. She says that uh, National hasn't given the details yet of its tax policies. It uh, is not expected to until closer to the election later next year. And therefore, this analysis uh, wasn't correct. 
However, um, this is the problem when you make a promise about doing something to the tax system or changing spending without detailing exactly what you do. You run the risk of your opponents essentially jumping in and filling the informational vacuum for you. And that's what's happened here with Craig Ranney's analysis, which uh, I think is going to be reasonably accurate um, given Craig understands how um, Treasury and the revenue systems work, having done many years of analysis inside the Minister's office. Now you could argue um, he's clearly from the centre-left of politics and therefore a natural opponent to National, and uh, this is hardly an unbiased um, analysis. And no one's hiding here, this is an analysis from the CTU, the union movement, allied with Labour against national but it's certainly interesting and just shows again uh, the benefits of having a properly costed and fully detailed policy which blocks your opponents from filling vacuums and also reminds us we're going to have a problem at next year's election where we have these claims and counterclaims about various election policies the way it works in New Zealand is that Treasury uh, releases a pre-election fiscal update about six weeks before the election, which gives the latest baselines for revenues and costs and effectively the modelling for uh, what would happen if you changed various tax and spending policies. The main parties then uh, build their forecasts on top of that and put out what they think uh, their policies would mean for the budget. At one point, um, a couple of election cycles ago, the then opposition uh, Labour Party with the Green Party proposed an independent fiscal costings unit w attached to Parliament, not necessarily Treasury, but Parliament, to do costings uh, with expertise of various policies proposed by both sets of parties. Because at the moment there's obviously a, a, um, an advantage for whoever's in government. They have the ability to use of all of Treasury's resources to make forecasts. And of course uh, can also um, make accusations about the opposition's policies um, from the position of being inside the system. And we had an example of this in 2017 when Labour accused... Uh, National of having a fiscal black hole and from memory National accused Labour of having a fiscal black hole the previous cycle. Uh, that was It was then left to people like myself um, to um, analyse the pros and cons and the backs and forths which is um, all fine but it would be preferable to have an independent uh, fully funded uh, um, independent costings unit which we do have in other countries. For example, in the United States, there's the Congressional Budget Office. And in the UK, there is also the Independent uh, Budget Office, which has actually been a major player, so to speak, in the dramas around Britain's um, fiscal situation at the moment. One of the reasons Liz Truss's government fell is that um, her new Treasury Secretary or Chancellor of the Exchequer, Finance Minister, Kwasi Kwarteng, announced a whole bunch of tax cuts without uh, um, doing the analysis or getting the independent budget office in the UK to do the analysis. 
Uh, unfortunately, the government, the now government, Labor government, um, uh, decided against having an independent fiscal costings unit, in part because National were also not keen on the idea when they were in government. It's, it's sometimes remarkable how oppositions become less interested in fully full transparency and uh, challenging the government once they are actually in the government. And it's a pity that there isn't an independent fiscal uh, costings unit we could do with one, and we're not going to get one before the next election. More work for me to do, of course. And people like Craig Rennie to insert numbers into vacuums. And I suspect that others on the other sides of the political spectrum will do exactly the same if Labour uh, were to come out with policies that were uncosted. So that's the main uh, news today on the uh, political economy front in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Just a couple of other bits and pieces to watch for. Thomas Coughlin has a bit of a scoop uh, behind the paywall at the New Zealand Herald. Accusations from Nicola Willis that Adrian Orr, the Reserve Bank Governor, had access to confidential monetary policy papers a day before he gave a speech in public, which she said could be in breach of uh, the guidelines for operating monetary policy. The Reserve Bank denies this and said that uh, Adrian Orr, although he had received the papers, had not read them before he gave his speech. The papers were received on 29th of September. He gave the speech on the 30th of September and the monetary policy decision was on October the 5th. The Reserve Bank said that Adrian Orr was off-site and did not have access to the papers and did not read them beforehand and therefore had not breached the uh, protocol. This, of course, is part of the ongoing tensions between the opposition and the Reserve Bank, and in particular the Reserve Bank Governor, and um, is a sign too that uh, at some point in the next six months or so there is going to have to be a resolution about whether Adrian Orr gets a second term. Currently that is decided under a Labour government, but if National were to get into power at the end of next year, there, that would create the uncomfortable prospect of a national finance minister having to work with a reserve bank governor that national clearly does not want reappointed to a second term. In fact, a national said last week they would like to see Adrian Orr given a temporary, a one-year extension to his contract so that um, if national were elected, next September, October, November, then they would be able to appoint their own candidate. So keep an eye on that one. Also watch out for news about windfall taxes. Obviously this was a policy proposed by the Greens last week and uh, rejected by the Labour government here uh, a day later. But in the United States, um, Joe Biden is expected to announce a threat of windfall profit taxes on big oil companies who have seen their profits um, double in the last year. And in the UK, the Deputy Governor of the Bank of England actually came out and said it's time for the UK government to impose a windfall profits tax on its banks. And I've written before about the need to impose windfall profits tax taxes on our banks, which have benefited from higher interest rates and also benefited from the much looser monetary policy and um, loan settings during COVID 2020 and 2021. 
I'm Bernard Hickey. That was today's Dawn Chorus on the Kaka for paying subscribers to the Kaka. Ngā mihi nui, kā kite anō.